Welcome to Modern Motherhood, where you're required to be everything to everyone all the time. We wouldn't have it any other way, but let's be honest, it's hard work. So let's talk about it, all of it, in the raw with no filter. Come and be a fly on the wall as you listen in on a chat between friends, as each week welcomes a new guest and a new topic to delve deeper around the ins and outs of not only motherhood, but life in general. The ups, the downs, the struggles, the highlights, the reality. Because the reality is, you're not alone. We're all in this together. You're listening to Mummy Republic. Welcome to the whirlwind. Hello, lovely, and welcome back to another episode of the Mummy Republic podcast. I'm your host, Danny, and I cannot wait to share today's conversation with you. But before I do, just a quick reminder, if you haven't done so already, make sure that you click on that subscribe button and leave a rating and a review so you can let other listeners know what they're in for. At the same time, if you haven't done so already, jump on over to Instagram and follow our new page at Mummy Republic Podcast so you can keep up to date with all of the information and the guests on the show. Now, today's conversation covers a topic that I think we're starting to talk a little bit more about, but it is still a little bit taboo. There's nothing too sensitive in here, but I will peg a reminder. There is a difference between having feelings of frustration and reactions to situations versus an ongoing issue. If you listen to today's conversation and feel like it's a regular behavior for yourself, I would encourage you to speak to someone and potentially seek professional help. Now that that's out of the way, let's just get started. Today's guest certainly has a way with words, writing beautifully about a number of motherhood topics, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and today we're going to talk candidly about one of them. Welcome to the wonderful Phoebe Shields. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming. I'm so (laughs) excited to talk to you today, particularly about a topic that um, got a lot of attention when you raised it, and we're, we're going to get into that, but... I want to talk a little bit about you first. Okay. You have two beautiful children. I do. Did you always want to be a mum? I did. I think it was one of those things that it wasn't even a question for me. I just always knew that I was going to be a mum one day. I was never in any hurry to be there, but it was just one of those things that I knew would eventuate and my husband felt the same way. Yeah. Beautiful. And... Are you planning on having any more kids? I'm just going to get that straight <laughs> yeah. out of the way. <laughs> it's definitely a discussion, ongoing discussion in our house. My husband would answer it pretty quickly by saying no. <laughs> uh, I'm on the fence. I'm like, oh, we'll just see. We'll just see. Yep. Um, no time soon. Like my second child only turned one a couple of months ago. So I think we would have a bigger gap if we do decide to have a third child. But I think a third one is tricky because we always knew we were going to have two and we were lucky enough to have two whereas the third and a lot of people probably feel the same way but the third is more of a should we shouldn't we yeah kind of one so ask me again in a couple of years <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll have this as actual evidence yeah. down the track <laughs> my husband will kill me for saying this but yeah. anyway <laughs> don't worry Dan's the same he's like firm no from me yeah um and I and I asked that question because I think a lot of people tend to question that as soon as you talk openly about parenting mm. they're like well did you want kids? Were you prepared for that? Um, and I think it's always good to get it out of the table that you can want your children and still have things that happen that you don't expect. Yeah. Now we're going to talk about something today that 
I could have actually spoken to a professional about mm-hmm. it and I did toy with the idea of talking with a psychologist. But yeah. I think um, not only have you done a lot of research yourself on this topic, but you've also spoken really candidly about it and I think people resonate more with personal experience. So we're going to talk about mum rage. Yes. Do you want to touch on that for me? Yeah, it's funny. I think had you invited me to talk about this six months ago, I would have been... I don't know. I I try to be really open and honest about most things, motherhood, and I have always been very vocal. And I think the more we talk about things, the better. But mum rage is one of those things that I think six months ago, I would have thought, oh, I don't know if I'm brave enough to talk about that. But having posted on social media, I don't know, I guess it was a couple of months ago now, um, I really shed that shame by sharing it. And I Mm. think that's what's really powerful about you know, podcasts like this or discussions like this is that it sheds any shame that you have to do with so many of these motherhood topics that if we talk about it, you just release it and you're able to, you've still got the experience. You can even still have guilt about it, but you don't have shame. You don't have that weight of carrying it around. Um, So I feel much more comfortable talking about it now, having shared it on social media and having gotten the reaction that I did when Mm. I did share it. Mm. Do you think that shame comes from yourself or the the judgment that you might get from others I think it's a bit of both I think the judgment I think you think you're going to get judgment from others but having shared my experience with mum rage you realize that that's not the case Mm. at all um out of hundreds and hundreds of comments and messages not one of them was even slightly like oh you did what or yeah everyone was just supportive and I think that in some ways maybe the media or I don't know what it is that sets women up to be like we're going to tear each other down or that we are judging each other but my experience with motherhood is that's so rare and that Mm. we're all just supporting each other and all I I felt really supported when I shared it yeah which is amazing because I think it is one of those topics that we need to talk more about Mm -hmm. so that we don't have that shame but also so people realize that it's not just you yeah you know you're not a bad mum because you do it and I think the term mum rage is quite dramatic yeah it sounds like you've gone into some like hulk moment and gone crazy but what was your actual situation that where you shared because you did share it on social media but just for those who perhaps didn't capture that I did yeah and um saying it out loud I guess writing about it is very different than talking about it I'm having a moment of being like oh god I'm gonna say this out loud (laughs) um I had, my baby was probably about six months at the time and I was having one of those days where you're just completely depleted and I was trying to get her to sleep and it had been hours of trying to get her to sleep and Mm. she was screaming and screaming and screaming and I felt it build up in me and I'm getting tenser and tenser and it feels like that tightening in my chest and eventually I just, I yelled at her and I feel awful for if saying, like for vocalizing that, excuse me. Um... And yeah, that, this is exactly what happened. I, I screamed. I didn't, I don't know if I screamed at her, but it was definitely in anger that I said, what, what do you want? And you know, that she's a six month old baby that meant nothing to her. She continued crying and straight away the rage dissipated and was just replaced with absolute shame. Mm. And then I'm crying more than she is. And I'm kissing her saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I just felt like such an awful person an awful mother I thought what kind of mother yells at a six-month-old baby you know I'm looking down at her tiny little face and she's got tears on it in her eyes and you know I just gave up trying to put her to sleep at that point and just cuddled her close and eventually she did just fall asleep in my arms and I was still crying an hour later just feeling 
awful about it. And as she lay sleeping in my arms, I had my phone in my hand and I started writing a little note on my phone because that's how I often deal with things is to Mm. write about how I'm feeling. And then it was a good six months after that, that I was able to share it because it was just something that took me many months to feel that I could talk about openly. Mm. Oh God, I've got goosebumps. (laughs) I think, I honestly think, and and I can sit here and pinpoint with Peyton, I did probably the exact same thing. Mm. And I think she was maybe two weeks old Mm. and I screamed and I then ended up having to put her back in the cot and walk away for a minute because I was like, I, I'm so angry. And then that guilt just washes over you and you think, what are you doing? This is your job. Yeah. And it's so common. It is so common. Like I didn't know until I did talk about it on social media and received so many messages to say, I've been there. I'm still there. It's so hard. And all the messages were just saying something really similar. But when it had happened to me, I hadn't told anyone. Mm. Like I've got wonderful, close mother friends. Um, I didn't tell. I I probably mentioned it to my husband because I would have needed his help and support. But as far as my mothering group and my friendship group, I just, I felt too ashamed to say it because I thought, what if everyone just looks at me and thinks you yelled at your baby? Like what's wrong with you? But turns out that I think everyone has had those experiences, whether it's with a baby or a toddler or a whatever age your child is, I think we can all relate to just being pushed to that, to that edge. And, and you spoke about your own personal experience and what you put it down to. So where do you think for you it stemmed from? I think when I looked at it, it wasn't even a place of anger because I obviously wasn't angry at her. It was just this constant erosion of resilience, which I think motherhood is that constant erosion of resilience. And I think I was really tired and I think I had just got to the end of that resilience barrel and I had nothing left to give. And that was that manifesting as mm. that, that I just had nothing, nothing left. Mm. Did you feel at any point that you were concerned you were going to hurt her? No, never. I wasn't at that point. And I think that's another thing that I think is really important when we talk about motherhood rage and anger and things like that, that while I think it's really important that we normalize it and talk about it and say, yes, we all have these experiences, it can also be a sign of something Mm. more serious. Mm. Um, So I think if it is happening frequently or sort of, that you're worried about your safety or the safety of your children, then it's not just something to to sort of flip away as saying, oh, we all experience that. That's something that you need need support yeah. for. Um, but in my experience, it was I, I was never worried about hurting her. I was never at that point. Um, but I think I've had moments where I get really angry and maybe am too you know, I might shout at my son or something like that who's three now because he's just been pushing my buttons. And it might be like you said, I need to just walk away from him, mm. even if he's having a little tantrum or, or whatever the battle is, just to regain composure and then come back at the situation. Mm. It's hard though. It's really hard in the moment to take a step back and go, they're just a child. I need to go and breathe because it's like you said, they push your mm-hmm. buttons yep. and they intentionally, you know, do their own thing because they don't understand, Yeah, but they do to an extent. Yeah. And as they get older, they definitely do it intentionally because they're wanting to see how far they can push it yeah. before yeah. you lose it. Um, so yeah. Yeah. And it, and it is about, I guess, testing those boundaries. Um, I'm assuming, as you've just said, it's happened since. It has. Yes. But I think it's really helped talking about it. And like you said, I did do a lot of research after it happened um, because that really helped me by understanding what was going on. Um, 
that helped me cope with it. That was mm. one of my coping strategies was to understand it better. Um, I've got a background in nursing and public health. So for me, information makes me feel, you know, I'm a real information nut. So I started looking into it about what was going on, the science behind behind it and what's going on in your brain when that happens, um, which I, I'm not an expert, but I can talk briefly about. Yeah, I was just about to say, what did you actually uncover? Because I think, again, a lot of people might think, oh, you know, it's a one-off. I'm mm. a, I've done it. It's only going to happen there. Now I know what it is. It's not going to happen again. Yeah, that's not I think true. it does. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're all tired. Yeah. We're, we've got, you know, high emotions, high hormones. Yeah, like, come that's on. one and of six the... months in, yeah. geez. Yeah, so hormones was a really big thing to look at because, mm. I mean, our bodies, as women, our bodies go through so much, especially in that first 12 months. Looking back on that particular episode, I realized that my daughter had cut down her breastfeeding a lot. So I would have had this big withdrawal of endorphins and oxytocin mm. from breastfeeding. And then your hormones just go into overdrive. And even when you're past 12 months postpartum, like we're women, everything's going in a cycle of hormones. Yeah. So that's always going to play a big part of it. But when I was looking into it, um, I looked a lot of information from someone called Dan Siegel, Dr. Dan Siegel, who's a um, neurologist and he has lots of parenting information that you can look up online. But I was reading about the fact that rage comes from this small part in your brain called the amygdala. It's like this almond shaped part in your brain and it is responsible for interpreting threats to your well-being. And so it's constantly on the lookout for these threats. And so when you're being bombarded, your well-being's just sort of being eroded down, it's perceiving things that I guess aren't real threats, but they feel like threats to your well-being. So, you know, you haven't slept in what feels like days. Your toddler won't put on his shoes, even though you've asked him a trillion times. Um, the baby's screaming, 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 and all of a sudden that amygdala just switches and it fires up and it says there's a threat to your well-being, shit's not, shit's bad, like this is not good. And that part of your brain completely overrides your frontal cortex, which is responsible for logical thought and decision-making. So it's not as if it's even a decision between the two, that amygdala overrides the frontal cortex. You cannot make logical thoughts. You cannot make logical decisions. Your reaction is fight and flight And that's why you have such a big reaction. And it's not as simple as just saying, oh, well, I just need to calm down. Or they're they're just children. She's not doing it on purpose. Exactly. All those logical things. Or she's just Mm. a baby. Or, you know, all those things. You can't make those decisions. You can't think, oh, this is what I'll do now. Or Mm. um, I think the other silver lining of sort of looking into this mum rage and episodes of, of motherhood anger is that it gives you a real sense of, insight and compassion to when our child our children are going through it Mm. so having you know we've just got through the terrible twos and three (laughs) nature there is a lot of big emotions going on and when my son is having these meltdowns on the floor he's just so frustrated and then he's angry and then he's upset and then he's back to being happy again I think now that I've looked into it and really thought about it and given myself so much compassion to these you know, normal brain events, hormonal events, I'm able to see his meltdowns and his tantrums from a much more compassionate point of view Mm. um, and able to give him the grace to go, you know, he's not giving me a hard time. He's having a really hard time. This must be really awful for him to feel this way and to have no control over his emotions. So I think as a parent, that's really helped me to look at it like that. 
and moving forward when eventually he becomes a teenager or all the many ages in between that I'm sure children have fluctuating hormones or brain development where they can't control their emotions to just remember how it feels for me when I'm going through that and I have so little control and how awful it feels when you can't control your own reaction or emotions that they're going through that tenfold. They don't understand what's going on in their brain. They don't understand what's going on in their body. Um, so in some ways I think it, it can be a tool in parenting to be able to be, to understand your own emotions and then have empathy for your children's. I think that's such a good point because so often, and, and I know that I used to do this with Peyton, you know, she'd have a tantrum and being a single parent at the time, I was like, oh, I, I emotionally cannot deal with mm. this. When it's not even about you. Yeah. It's about the child and all the things that they're experiencing. And, you know, even as adults, we don't give ourselves enough grace to go, actually, I'm feeling a lot at the moment. I need yeah. to work through this. So it's definitely something to be conscious of. Yeah. So that really helped me to understand that it was just the human body and the human brain doing that. It wasn't me being a bad mother. It wasn't me having some kind of, you know, because the other thing you think is, oh God, do I have some kind of mental health problem going on? Like, mm. should I be looking at that? Yeah. I've gone through that before in the past. Is something flaring up postpartum? And that there may be a factor of that for some people, but um, for me to understand that this was a physiological response going on in my brain really helped me to have more compassion to myself for that episode. And I think that's the important thing. You know, motherhood is stressful mm-hmm. and it's, you know, for some people it's, you know, easy and it's a walk in the past, yeah. but if you've got a lot going on, everyone's in completely different situations. Yeah. And no one's talking about it. So yes. You know, it's going on a lot, but we're just not, we're not talking about it. Yeah. Mm. Why do you think that is? I just think it doesn't fit with society's idea of this sort of maternal goddess that's Mm. just got everything under control and is endlessly loving and endlessly compassionate to everyone. And she never thinks about herself. She's just giving and giving. And, you know, she's just this fictional character that none of us can (laughs) live up to. So no one wants to be the one who puts their hand up and says, I'm nowhere near, Mm. I don't look like that character. That's not, that's not me. I think we're getting better at it, Mm. but I think we've got a long way to go. Do you think social media helps or hinders that image? I guess with all things with social media, it's down, you know, you have control over who you follow and things Mm. like that. So I think you've just got to be really aware of the people you are following. And if they're making you feel inadequate if they're portraying this image that you think every time you look at it you're just feeling like you're not living up to it it's just too perfect then it probably is and they're probably only showing the perfect parts and that's fine you know some people it's social media they want to curate something that looks beautiful and Mm. a certain image and and that's everyone's right to do but for me when I follow people like that it ends up making me feel not necessarily insecure but yeah probably inadequate is the right word and then I would just prefer to follow the many people out there, yourself included, that is just honest and real and mm. people that have bad days and good days and can make light of it sometimes because like you can joke about it and that always yeah. makes you feel better. So I think social media, for me and the people that I follow, it's actually created quite a nice community of making me feel more supported and, and okay in my moments of inadequacy mm. because you've got everyone putting their hand up saying, yeah, me too, or I can relate to that. Um which is why I, I like social media. And it's interesting. I, I'm hearing that a lot more lately. People are saying, you know, be cautious about who you follow, who you mm. engage with, because it does have an impact on you. Mm. And we absorb so much from the wider community, social media included. Mm. 
Um, now, obviously, again, so in social media's instance, it's helped you in this situation because mm. you were able to express it. You got that support. It helped, uh, no doubt, a lot of other people. And I think that's important to note. Not everyone's going to comment. Not everyone's going to talk about it, but they're going to absorb your message. How did you find... I guess you would have got a lot of other mums going, okay, yes, this is me. Did you get a lot of people asking for advice? I did. And I guess I was cautious in that because I'm not an expert in this. Mm -hmm. My rationale for sharing it was that I thought if there's one, just even one other mum that can read it and think, oh, that happened to me too. And can go, I'm not alone. I'm not a bad mum. It happens to more than one of us. And as it turned out, there was heaps of (laughs) many women that found that. Um, So when people did private, like sort of send me a DM, asking for advice I can only talk about my own personal experience and what helped you know you have to be wary of overstepping your area of expertise I can only talk about my experience as a mum not as a psychologist as a you know as a healthcare professional I mean I'm a nurse but that's not my area of of expertise yeah and outside of understanding the process and getting that physiological I guess explanation for it is there anything that you did that helped a lot of the research I was, I did and read about methods of helping in those instances were things like mindfulness and meditation. Um, I take that with a grain of salt because when you're in that moment and you're having, you know, you're flipping your lid and that amygdala is flaring up, it's really easy to say to do a quick meditation or mindfulness because it usually means that there's a child on the floor kicking and screaming or a baby in your arms crying like it's not really a time that you can just go okay I'm just gonna do a quick (laughs) yeah I mean you have to I guess do crisis control first so Mm. like what you said in your instance you put Peyton down and you walked away and you made sure she was safe Mm. you made sure you were safe and that I guess always has to be the first step whether you need to completely remove yourself from the situation and make sure your children are safe and you are safe and I And I think practicing mindfulness and meditation outside of those actual episodes is really helpful because you can't just walk out the room and know how to do a mindfulness exercise or a meditation if you haven't practiced it in times of calm. For me personally, what really helped, and this, I recognize that this comes from a really, a really privileged place because I have a partner who is there and he's very supportive. So, um, you know, not everyone has the support network that I do, but I really had to ask for help I had to let my husband know that I was not coping whether it be that day those couple of days that week that I had run out of resilience and Mm. I was going to need to build that up we always try have a very 50 50 shared relationship with our parenting as partners like that's just we we believe in being partners it's not as if you know the mum does the mum jobs and the dad goes off to work that's not how we operate and I think 50-50 is a really good aim, but sometimes it has to not be that. So there was mm. times that I'd say, I, I need it to not be 50-50. I need you to take over because I'm I'm at the bottom of the barrel. And he was able to say, okay, I'll, I'll step up. And mm. really practically, like not even just being there for me emotionally, which he was and he was wonderful. I needed practical support because I, I needed to build myself back up again. So whether that be to go for a walk or... Um, just clear my head, have some time out for that week. I needed him to step up and take on more of the parenting and help me out more. I think that's actually a really brave thing to do because I think particularly if you are a stay-at-home mum or if you have 
more predominant care of the children. It can be really easy to go, no, well, this is my responsibility. Yeah. This is, I have to sort my shit out because it's my job. Yeah. And yeah, sure it is, but it doesn't mean that they can't help you. Yeah. How did he take it when you sat down and said, this happened today and this is how I'm feeling? He's really wonderful. I think when I retold him similar to when I retold you, I cried out of guilt saying that I had shouted at it. And there was not even a moment where he hesitated. He just said that that's completely understandable and that everyone would feel that way. And he would, the same thing would have happened to him if he had been at home all day Mm. with a crying baby and a toddler. So, I mean, there was, yeah, he was just very supportive and non-judgmental and, yeah, I think what you said is really true about it feeling like it being my job because mm. I'm on maternity leave at the moment. So, you know, that parenting role predominantly is my job. He's at work all day supporting us. Um, but when he came home, you know, there, he couldn't do it when he wasn't there. But it did mean that when he got home from work, even though he was tired, even though he was exhausted, we had to look at ourselves as a whole family unit and figure out what we needed to do to get through that week as a family. Um, and sometimes that's going to mean that he gets home from work and he is stressed and he needs time out and he needs to relax. And I, maybe I need to step up a bit up more, but in this instant, when I was feeling low, it meant that he needed to to step up and and do more than his 50%. Um, And I think that's how families just sort of have to work. You can't just go draw a line in the sand and say, this is your job. This is my job. Or I've done my 50%. So now I'm, I'm tapping I'm out. out. Yeah. You <laughs> yeah. know, our needs change and fluctuate over time. And I think we have to be flexible enough as partners to do that. Yeah. hundred percent. You've got mm. to have that balance and it, and it can be hard, particularly if you are the one working and mm. you know, the, the initial reaction is, Oh, I just want to sit down. Yeah. Because we all do that. And it's yep. the same as there are some days Dan gets through the door and I'm like, Oh, take this. Here's the baby. <laughs> <laughs> And it's just because you just, you need to just take a breath. Yeah. And I think the hardest part is having that conversation, admitting that you need a little bit of extra help. You did do this research. Is there anything else that you found when you were sort of trawling through the information that you found valuable or might be insightful for someone who's experiencing this? I think another thing, like a real interesting point that I learned about the brain science behind it was that once you've had this sort of episode of anger or overwhelm, that you're going to be more susceptible and more fragile for at least another 20 minutes, those hormones coursing through your veins oh. and your that amygdala being flared up. Um, so to just be gentle with yourself as much as you can yeah. over that next sort of half an hour period. And I think it goes a long way to explaining when you sort of lose it again. Like I'm, I can't think what was happening at the time when I was at home, but again, it was one of those episodes or it was just one of those days where – the three major was just pushing me and pushing me and the baby was crying a lot and I had held it together and held it together for the kids. Um, I think I'd got cross. I'd sort of flipped my lid and, and got cross at, at the toddler and then come downstairs. And I think my husband had put something away in the wrong spot, like a completely nothing, <laughs> oh, nothing. And I lost my shit about it. And he was just looking at me like, oh, fuck, she's a crazy person. Like I was throwing, like slamming drawers and being like, oh, I can't find this. I can't even remember what it was. And he looked at me like with compassionate, concerned eyes and was like, what is wrong with you? And it's like one of those moments where you're like, I think I just said they're good at teeth. I don't know what's wrong, but you're not helping. And he was just like, okay. <laughs> um, so I think just understanding that you're going to be mm. 
in that state for a while that even if you've done, you know, some deep breaths, even if you've regained control to just be cautious because that's going to, you're just going to be really fragile for a little while after that. <laughs> that's really good advice. Yeah. Really good advice. Do you have any other advice for a mum going through it? Because I think, again, it's a very personal experience. You've got to find what works for you. I think normalizing it is key, but if it's happening a lot more, could be a sign of something more. Yeah. But again, anything else that you would like to give in terms of an insight? I think, um, probably one thing that we haven't touched on that I'd like to is about your kid from your kid's perspective in that Mm. situation, because um, while it is, or why it can be really normal to experience that kind of anger in motherhood, it can also be really scary for your kids. Mm. Um, So while it is normal, I guess you also still need to be mindful about what that impact is having on your children. Um, When it's happening, when it happened to my baby, Obviously, that didn't have a lasting effect on her. She's not going to remember it. It was more of a wake-up call to me to say, okay, I need to make sure I get Mm. some more help. But when, excuse me, I've had episodes of maybe reacting to my toddler in a way that I wouldn't want to. I've got cross at him from a place of not compassion but from anger. I'm angry at him. Mm. Um, Or, you know, he can see me getting upset or angry or yelling or something like that after I've taken myself away and calmed down, I think it's really important to try to reconnect with your kids as soon as possible and to talk about it. And I think it can be a really positive thing if it's done well. I think it's a real good, really good opportunity to teach young children that everyone has these really big emotions, mm-hmm. that it's completely normal to have these huge emotions that get out of hand, that it's healthy to express your, express your emotions. Um, but it's not okay to yell at someone. You know, these are things that we don't do in our house and, and to apologize. So I've apologized to my three-year-old when I've yelled at him. I've said, you know, sat down after it's happened and said, mommy was really angry and frustrated, wasn't she? Um, but I'm really sorry that I yelled at you. I shouldn't have done that. Um, it probably didn't make you feel very nice when I did that. And then we talk about emotions and, and things like that. So it can be a positive, I guess, because that's a really good learning thing for a child to see Mm. us have emotions I don't think we should try suppress emotions in front of our kids it's okay for them to see that yeah um and again I guess it's such a spectrum like I can only talk from my perspective of maybe getting a little cross obviously if a child's exposed to ongoing anger that's not going to be good for them and maybe more needs to be done but Mm. when we're talking about these fairly rare days where you just think oh that was not a good parenting moment that was not my best reaction. That's not the parent I want to be to just talk to them about it. And yeah. even though he's only three and a half, you know, if that's an ongoing dialogue, that's something that I want us to have, whether he's three or whether he's 13 or 23. Yeah. I think, well, I think you nailed it. I think it's really important to talk to children about their emotions and to get them to understand that it's okay. Mm. But yes, we need to apologize. And yes, we need to recognize that that's not acceptable behavior if it was you know, of that nature. Yeah. Um, and yeah, if it is an ongoing issue, that's, that's another thing. And that's, yeah, yeah we're talking about those moments of shit. I just lost my shit. Exactly. Yes. And that part is normal. So yeah, for me, I'm a huge advocate of mum life balance. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to call it the me before mummy and that little thing that you do to reconnect with yourself, mm-hmm. pre-children, just to get that time back. Cause I think we often, you know, we'll have a shower or we'll yeah. go and do the groceries by yeah. ourselves Woo! and go, oh, that's a new time. <laughs> uh, no, no. 
What do you do to connect with the Phoebe pre-children? Um, I've been getting really into running lately. Yes. Um, so that's really my time. My I find that really good for my mental health, for my sleep, for me because it's purely for me and it's time away from my family and time away from the kids. Um, or writing is usually my outlet as well. So mm. it's hard to find snippets of time to do writing, but yeah. that's what makes makes me feel creative and makes me feel like my like myself reconnecting with that person that's not just a mum. Yeah. Mm. I love that. And you do it so well. Oh, thank so you. <laughs> very, very well. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I thank really you. appreciate your insights on this because I think there's gonna be a lot of people who resonate with it. And thank you for being so brave because it's again one of those unspoken taboo subjects that we need to talk about more. It is, yeah. So thank you so much for having me and I just the only other thing I'd I'd wanna say is that next time it happens to someone who's listening to this or to a mum that's feeling guilty to just show yourself compassion and know that it happens to everyone and know that you're only human and you're doing the best you can and this is not what your kids are going to remember the kid is not going to remember this moment um and you can reconnect with them and move on an amazing ending statement thank you so much phoebe i appreciate you thanks danny <laughs> actually so proud of Phoebe for being open and honest about this topic because I think there's a lot of mums who this will resonate with and it is really important to normalize those types of conversations. As I said at the beginning of the episode, there is a difference between having this as a potential experience versus a regular occurrence and if you do think it is an issue for you, I do encourage you to seek professional help. There are a few things that I took away from the conversation. Most importantly, that there's a lot of scientific research behind these feelings. So although they often come with a lot of guilt and shame, there is a physiologic reason as to why it happens and occurs in mums. Don't be too hard on yourself. Give yourself compassion. And if you're like Phoebe and feel like it will help you to understand yourself better, if you know the reasons behind it, feel free to check out the research done by neurologist Dan Siegel. Most importantly as well is to ensure that you ask for help when you need it. That's both practically and emotionally. As Phoebe mentioned, you really need to lean on your support system, whether that's your partner, friends, family, whoever that may be. Because as much as you may want to, you can't always give 100%. If you want to follow more of Phoebe's journey, you can find her over on Instagram at, at a mum thing. And I will put those details into the show notes as well. Also, be sure to follow along at Mummy Republic Podcast for all things motherhood and more information on the show and our guests. But in the meantime, remember to take a breath, take some time for yourself and know that you're doing a damn good job. Thank you again so much for joining me. I cannot wait to share more stories with you. So if you haven't done so already, make sure that you click on that subscribe button so that you don't miss a thing. Thanks again. Lots of love and I'll see you next week.